time, Pastor Carlos here with you on Resurrection Sunday. Glory to God for his precious son, Jesus Christ, who is resurrected. And today, um, there's a different kind of message that um, has been placed in my spirit to share with you. Not your typical Resurrection Sunday message, but more so going a little bit beyond that. Um, and uh, before we get started, I would like to pray uh, so that we can get started. Father God, we come into your presence and we thank you for your precious son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life so that we may live and forgive our sins and took his, our sins upon him. And Father, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for what he endured, which is unimaginable, Father God, that he placed himself there for us, paid the price. We have been bought with a price with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And Father, today, we lift our banners, we lift our praise, and we lift our thanksgiving unto you, because you're worthy of all praise, glory, and honor. Father, we thank you for what you have done in our lives, what you're doing, and what is to come. For every season, Father, has a purpose. And in this season, we know that you will be glorified, that you will save many, and that a revival is coming, and we declare it in that way, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to imagine something before we go on, and that is um, how if someone asked you that your son was going to go to prison and pay for the price of everybody's crime and sin, you will be outraged because that obviously wouldn't be fair. You would be tormented because you know that that is not how things go. Um, people who commit crimes, people who do certain things, um, pay for that crime. But imagine if your son was chosen to pay for all the sins and all the crimes of the world. With that being said, um, it was the same way with Jesus. Jesus willingly, willingly said, I will go. And he, he was stripped of all his glory in heaven and became man. The reason why Jesus became man is so that he could be kinship to us, so that he could relate to us, and so that um, as he progressed in his life, he endured many things. He didn't start his ministry until he was 30. So imagine the patience that God had in those 30 years of making sure that his son was developed for the right time and season of what was to come, which was ultimately the crucifixion and the resurrection of his uh, being as a human being. Sometimes we forget that Jesus is God, but he's also man. And he came to earth and made himself human to know what it's like to be human, to know what it's like to feel temptation, to know what it's like to feel betrayal, to know what it's like to feel uh, discarded, uh, talked about, and basically mocked because of his beliefs, 
And what he came to tell was the truth, and the truth was set many free. And because of religion, there was already uh, turmoil. Things turned, he turned things upside down from what we, we would think would be normal, he made it completely transfixed into kingdom. Now, um, before we go on, I would like to um, start with worship, and that is a song. That is called Come to the Altar. Jesus is holy. 
we thank you for the ability to worship you today and beyond. We thank you, Father, because you're the almighty God, the creator of the universe, and nothing is far from you. As a matter of fact, you're closer than we think, especially in these times of trouble. Um, the message for today it's entitled, It's Almost Midnight. Now, for this message, I don't want to, or God told me not to concentrate so much on the crucifixion of, of Christ. Um, we've, we've heard it, uh, for those of, you, of us who have studied, we know what he endured, um, and that in that moment, he was separated from heaven and earth. Um, when he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Now, can you imagine? He was bearing the sins of the world, the past, present, and future. With that being said, when something is precious, when something is of value, when something is of great magnitude. For example, a piece of jewelry that costs, let's say, $8 million, it's never gonna put, be put in the front of the store in a place where it could be stolen. It's gonna be placed in a glass covering where you cannot touch it because of its value. So with that being said, Anything that ever goes on clearance is usually put in the back of the store on the clearance rack. And we don't have access to the valuable things because they're on the lock and most of the time we cannot afford it. So we go to the clearance rack. Today, God is letting us know, including myself, that we are precious, that we are priceless, that we, are, we have been bought with a price that no one else was able to give and no one ever else will. Uh, what Jesus did on the cross is unexplainable in a way because of what he endured. And what he endured was flocking. Flocking is still practiced in some countries as far as I believe. And it is a cat of nine tails. Uh, imagine a whip, and at the end of that whip, there is hooks that when it hits the person, it literally rips their skin apart. Our Jesus, our God, our Savior, was hit so hard that his, his, uh, his innermost being were being exposed. He was stripped naked, put to shame in front of all those people and accused of a crime he did not commit. Now going back to a child, let's say that's being put in prison for the crimes of everyone else. Uh, 
it's not fair. But Jesus knew that this was coming, that this was his mission, that this was what he had to accomplish in order to save humanity. As it was then, he came to abolish the law, and he came to renew and leave two commandments, which we will get to later. So, in his last hours before he was arrested, Jesus was going through a whole lot. It wasn't like your regular week where you could say, I don't want to be bothered or I just, I'm having a bad week. Jesus was having a bad week. And in the end, Jesus was left alone. Not allow that because no one else could get closer to him. That had to be the moment of him being on the cross with the two all with the other two men, which we know what he said to one and what he said to the other, and surely today you will be with me in paradise. He believed. At that moment he believed that he was the son of God. So before Jesus was arrested, in Matthew 26, 47, 26, the disciples fell asleep to more times when Jesus stepped away from them to pray. Jesus woke them up just moments before a crowd of people entered the garden. This is when Jesus was praying. Judas arrived. He was one of the twelve. A large crowd with him, they were carrying swords and clubs. The chief priest and the elder of the people had sent them. Would soon be shed one to his disciples, including us, to have this special meal again to remember his sacrifice, talking about the, uh, the communion. But if we assume they began eating at sundown, Let's say the supper. And ate for two hours. This was a very significant Jewish festival. Then it took an hour to get to the garden. Then assume three hours before Jesus to pray. We are already at midnight for this the kiss of betrayal. And that is where this takes off. Jesus predicts his betrayal. Jesus foretold what Judas was about to. Jesus' spirit was troubled. This is the testimony he gave. When I am about to tell you it's true, he said, one of you is going to hand me over to my enemies. His disciples stared at one another they had no idea which one of them he meant. In John 13, 21b-22, one of the disciples leaned close to Jesus and asked which of them would do this. Jesus answered, It is the one I will peace, give the piece of bread to. I will give it to him after I dipped it in the dish. He dipped the piece of bread, then he gave it, gave it to Judas, 
son of Simon, and soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. Now, that is amazing because then Jesus said, do quickly what you're going to do. Jesus told him, that is in John 13, 26, 27. And he quickly took off. So that he could go do whatever it was that he needed to do. Now, in life, we're going to face our own Judas's. We're going to face those nights that are troubling, where you will fall asleep with tears in your eyes or crying yourself to sleep, wishing that things would change. Sometimes we don't even know how to pray. Sometimes we don't even know what to say to God. Sometimes we get mad at God because he's not answering our prayer as quickly or as we think he should answer that prayer. See, you've gone through a week of trouble. Trouble at work, maybe trouble in your marriage, maybe trouble with your children, maybe trouble with your finances, maybe trouble within yourself, with your own feelings, your own emotions, your own traumas of things that you have not been healed from. And the week goes on to carry out with each single day with more trouble on top of it. And so us human beings, we have the ability to worry about things that have yet to happen. And as I mentioned to someone yesterday, half of what I worried about never happened. Um, it was just false stuff. The biggest battle we're all going to face is always going to be in the mind. So when we're alone, and we are alienated from everyone, or God decides to separate us from everyone, that is the time when he starts dealing with your innermost being, your secret place, your secret sin, your secret you, the one that you don't share with anybody else, the one who you've never told a soul what has happened to you, what traumatic experience you have endured. See, we all have a cross to carry. And midnight is on the way. We carry this cross, invisible cross. Sometimes it is with baggage, it is with shame, it is with fear, it is with uh, trauma, it is with uh, insecurities, it is filled with all these things that keep us unfocused from what really matters, and that is Jesus. And to be more honest with you, um, no one is an exception to that. That has happened to every single one of us. It happens to, from the most high to the lowest. And I tell you today, in these days of trouble, and the current situation that we are in is no time to play with our emotions or our feelings. Feelings and emotions are going to pass. Um, 
just like they do in any other situation, whether it's a breakup, whether it's an argument, whether it's doubt or anything else in between. Um, and it literally eats away at your brain. So with that being said, what are you dealing with before Friday at midnight? You don't have to answer me. My question to you is, are you doubting God? I'll confess that I have. I'll confess that sometimes I've prayed and I don't know what to say. I feel like I become a beggar or um, I don't have the eloquence or the words. And God doesn't require any eloquence from us. He requires us to be real with him. And the thing about it is, is that, excuse me, as I get some water, when we're alone with him, we don't have to hide anything. We don't have to hide from what, who we are. He knows who we are. Excuse me, I'm sorry. So, like with Peter, Jesus told his friends that he was about to leave. But Peter begged to go with Jesus. Peter said he would even die for Jesus. Then Jesus answered, Will you really give your life to me or for me? Even Peter, the boldest disciple, would become a coward in the face of real danger that was coming. In fact, Jesus predicted that the very soon all the disciples would turn their backs on them. But he said his father would never leave him. That is in John 16, 32. Jesus knew that he only had a short time left with his disciples. In his last hours, he taught his friends many things about himself, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and heaven. He told them to love one another and to trust in God. John 13, 34, 35, 14, and 1. Jesus said that he was going to prepare a place for them, and one day he would come back for them. John 14, 2, 4. His disciples were confused about what, where Jesus was going and how they would get there. Jesus spoke those important words. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. Jesus taught them that he was the only way to heaven. He was the truth that would set them free, and only he offered new life. In the garden, Matthew 26, 36 through 45, Luke 22, 39 through 45. After the Passover meal and the finish, Jesus went out to the mountain ridge called Mountain Mount Olive. It was 
named there because there are so many olive trees growing there. The rest of the disciples uh, followed Jesus to the garden called Gethsemane. Jesus said, Take, taking the disciples to the place many times, Jesus purposely went to, place, to a place where it would be easy for Judas to find him. It, he went to a place where it would be easy for Judas to find him. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, swept away from the others. He told his close friends that his soul was deeply troubled, even to the point of death. Matthew 26, 38. None of us really know the depth of Jesus' sadness at that time. The word used, Peripheus, is the strongest possible word for sadness. That even that was about to take place was very, very, the very, very reason Jesus had come to, but it was terrible task. He was about to be arrested. Through he was innocent, he would be laid about. Though he was the truth, he would be beaten, thought that he became bring, bring peace, he would be hung on a cross and be left to die. The punishment of murder, through he was the life, but the worst that anything men could do to him, God would turn away from him, he took on the, son, the sins of the world, Matthew 27, 46, Isaiah 59, 1-2. This was almost more than Jesus could bear. His heart ached at the thought of being without his father for even a moment. Jesus told his disciples to pray. He did not ask them to pray for him. Instead, he told them to pray for themselves. Why would Jesus ask them to pray for themselves? Knowing what he was about to go through. Because he knew that they would not be able to endure what they were about to witness. So he told them, pray for yourself. And that is in Luke, so they wouldn't sin. And that is in Luke 22:40. Matthew 26:38 and Mark 14:34. Record that Jesus asked Peter, James, John to keep watch for him. This phrase means to watch, give strict attention, to be cautious, active, to take a need, heed, excuse me, less through remission and indolence, some destructive calamity sudden, suddenly overtaking one. Jesus knew that armed soldiers were on their way to get him. Jesus asked his three friends to be his lookout so that he could focus on nothing other than praying to his heavenly father. So in the midst of him knowing what was about to come, all he wanted was to focus on his heavenly father. He didn't want to focus on anyone's opinion.